Good morning, PFC. It's good to be back with you. So we've been going through a series on what we believe. And uh, I was telling Kurt earlier, um, I don't know if I will weep the entire time I'm up here or like get super passionate and jump around. Um, But this morning's topic is we are saved by grace. Like we believe we are saved by grace. Uh, This topic has been uh, something that I've uh, really had a passion for since the early 2000s, Um, partially because uh, my first job out of college, uh, I was uh, working with um, youth and children, and uh, the pastor at this church kind of introduced me to um, not, not grace, but like the culture around us and how like we have become such this work-based Christianity. And, and so for me, um, there's a couple of men that uh, the books that they've written and the lives that they've lived that have really influenced um, what I'm about to share this morning. So when you, you go back and be like, wow, that was the greatest sermon I ever heard. Well, it wasn't actually me. I'm, I'm plagiarizing um, a lot of things I've learned from Dr. Zane Hodges, who um, through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, uh, one of the, the great Greek scholars of, of those, those times, he taught um, at Dallas Theological Seminary for, for those years. And um, the other guy is Jerry Bridges, um, which I will uh, talk about him. Uh, a little bit more, but Jerry Bridges, um, just really impactful over the last probably five years in my life uh, when it comes to the topic of of grace. So, what is grace? What is grace? You know what? I didn't turn this thing off. All right, so I want to talk about um, the word saved for a minute because sometimes when we come to, like, we could say saved and it seems like a very Christianese word, all right? However, there are two Greek words um, that are often translated saved. They don't necessarily mean uh, what we think they mean. Um, Sometimes they're like interchangeable, but I want to talk about two words because I want us to be on the same page of when I say saved this morning, this is what I'm talking about. All right, the first one, sozo, which means to heal, uh, preserve, rescue. In John 10, uh, 9, this is Jesus talking. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. So they will be healed, um, healed, preserved, rescued. The next word is the K-E-O. Did I say that close enough? All right. Uh, Which is... To show to be righteous, declared righteous. In Romans 3.24, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. Though he did uh, this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our own sin. So what I'm talking about this morning, when I say saved, um, I'm talking about the justification. I'm talking about being made right with God. That we, because of what Christ has done in his death, burial, and resurrection, we now get to spend eternity with him when we put our faith and trust in him. So our conversation today around the word saved is about, I want to make it clear that we're being saved 
for eternity. Because sometimes, especially the sozo word, um, could be like saved from wrath, saved from um, a disease. It can be saved from something else. But what I'm talking about this morning, I'm talking about eternity, which starts now. When we believe in Jesus, eternity starts now. So let me just uh, talk about my little man crush on Jerry Bridges for a moment. So if you have not read Transforming Grace, I would encourage you to read Transforming Grace. Uh, Jerry Bridges worked for the Navigators for a number, um, man, for most of his life, I believe. Um, he passed away about, actually, like five, five years ago, I believe. And, uh, but this book really got into and really changed some of my uh, performance stuff when it came to grace, which we're going to touch on in a, in, a, in a moment. But like, um, if you haven't read it or walked through this, I would encourage you to walk slowly through um, Jerry Bridges' book about transforming grace. Um, it, was, it was vital in uh, my spiritual walk with the Lord. Um, so what is grace? We're going to talk about what is grace. Grace is one of the most important things that we know about God. And um, Jay Gresham says this, the very center and core of the whole Bible is the doctrine of the grace of God. So everything that we have in Scripture is pointing to God's grace, his goodness. So what we're talking about here this morning, being saved by grace, is a central theme throughout the beginning of Genesis all the way through Revelation is revealing God's grace towards people. Towards people. Oops, I went too fast. So many of us have probably heard the term grace um, explained like unmerited favor. How many of us have heard that? Like unmerited favor, right? Right, which is, which is good. Which is good. Sometimes we've maybe differentiated between grace and mercy by saying this, mercy is not getting what you deserve, and grace is getting what you don't deserve. How many have heard that before? Which, there, that's a great way um, to explain grace, um, because we don't deserve his favor, his blessing. We don't deserve to be in the presence of God forever, and yet it is accessible to us. But God's grace is so much more than just bestowing blessings. Just like light is more than just the simple fact that um, darkness, uh, I'm saying that backward. Just like light is more than simply the lack of darkness, we have grace. And here is um, one of the things that Jerry Bridges says about grace. Grace is the love of God shown to the unloved. It is God reaching downward to people who are in rebellion against him. Each of us have been in rebellion and at times are in present rebellion to what God is doing. And yet because of grace, his loving kindness, God's hand reaches down and pulls us out and says, you're mine. You are mine. I want you. So this morning, our, our text, I'm going to have a couple people read from two different um, translations because I want us to picture in our mind's eye what Paul is saying in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And um, uh, George, if you'll start, he's, George is going to start, and then uh, Linda 
but I want us to actually picture this. What is Paul saying about God's goodness and his grace towards mankind? Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpse, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We live by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the, vo the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation, for it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance for our destiny and the good works he would do to fulfill it. Thank you, George. Thank you, Linda. All right, close your eyes with me for, for a minute. And I, I want you to picture yourself in the middle of the ocean. I want you to picture yourself that is in complete darkness. You can't see anything. The waves are crashing around you. You're drowning. Then, a hand reaches down, picks you up, puts you on dry land, 
and then the sun and the warmth of the sun come. This is God's grace. This is what Jesus Christ did for you. We were dead. We were drowning in an ocean and God, through Jesus, takes his hand and pulls us out of the ocean and puts us onto dry land. That is his grace. We were hopeless and he gave us hope. The sin and the rebellion that we have lived in was paid for by Jesus Christ. Through his death, burial, and resurrection. And all we must do is put our trust, our faith in him. That's it. So this morning, our first point is we're saved by grace. Nothing that we could do. We can't earn this thing. We can't earn a relationship with God. This, we are saved by his grace. This is one, one of my favorite verses is John 5, 24. Truly, this is Jesus talking, truly, truly. So he's like, listen, listen, guys. I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Jesus is saying is, when you put your faith in what I am saying, and when you put your faith, your trust in me, you are no longer judged for your sin, but you have passed from death into life. Jesus is assuring us of our salvation through himself, saying, this is it. Believe. I know G, uh, DJ often, I almost called him Jesus. <laughs> DJ often uh, talks about pistis, that, the word pistis. The allegiance, the faith, that is what saves us. So when God is reaching his hand down, all we have to do is reach our hand up. And he pulls us out. Like, that's it. Like, you're the one that will save me. We can't earn it. So if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, uh, come have a conversation. Or if you're in the process of like, I, I don't really understand, come have a conversation. Talk to someone. Talk to any of the pastors or elders. Love to have a conversation around what it looks like to live a life with Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit forever forever. Many of us forget, though, those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, many of us uh, forget that grace doesn't stop at the moment of salvation. His work did not stop after we took his hand. It didn't stop, you know, when he put us on that dry land, he made a meal for us, he showed us his affection. His grace didn't stop then. Just at that moment of salvation, his grace is the thing that is supposed to transform us forever. So those of us who have an allegiance towards Christ and have been saved, I want to remind you, you can't earn more of his grace by your behavior. Let me say that again. We cannot earn more of his grace by our behavior. 
We can't. We can't earn it. Jerry Bridges says this about kind of about the statement I just made. Oops. Oh, I don't have it up there. Darn it. Yeah. All right. So Jerry Bridges says this. Um, so try to try to listen. Your worst days are never so bad that you were beyond the reach of God's grace. Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace, and your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Did you hear that? Every moment of our life, we need God's grace. So there's two two major pitfalls that we fall into when it comes to um, just not living day by day by God's grace. And, and so I want to talk about those two, two pitfalls. The first one is legalistic weight. All right, so these are people, uh, believers, who unconsciously think they uh, have earned God's blessing through their behavior. Uh, this is something that I've fallen into, right? Like, if I continue to do this thing, I will earn more of God's grace. And yet that is not what Scripture talks about. We can't earn more of his grace. His grace is already given to us. We have to live by his grace for every situation. So a good way to um, combat the legalistic weight is actually rest from maybe doing a ministry. Maybe stepping back from something that you've done over and over again, and you might think, oh, you know what? This thing could fall apart. Well, maybe it could. But that might be the right thing to do in that moment because we're, we're unconsciously thinking like, oh man, I got to keep this thing going. I got to keep moving forward so I can earn more of God's grace. And yet the Lord's like, no, 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 no. I've given you that grace. Be transformed by that grace to walk in grace because we, it doesn't matter, like, what we do, his grace won't change. So that's one of the pitfalls. The other pitfall, which I have found myself in, is shame-laden. Believers um, are quite sure they've forfeited God's blessing or his grace through their lack of discipline or disobedience. This could be someone that is struggling with addiction. This could be someone who is in a pattern of, of, of sin. This could be uh, someone who um, uh, the shame of their life turns them into a blamer. Like they're blaming God or they're blaming their spouse or they're blaming their kid or they're blaming their boss. Like this is what this pattern can, can turn into. And yet God's grace is there in that moment. So how do we, how do we walk, how do we combat um, these, these two things? We combat it by um, humility. See, in both of these two things, we've forgot the meaning of grace and we have moved away from the good news of Jesus Christ. Remembering 
The solution for both of these is remembering what Christ did on the cross. That's the solution. When we keep the cross at the forefront, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and we say, like, what he paid for, that's the solution. He paid for what will happen later today. We live in a performance-based culture. And so for many Christians, many of us, we believe that busyness for, for God equals holiness. Busyness for God equals holiness. That's something that we struggle with as a, as a Christian culture. But I want to tell you that tending to his presence and acknowledging that we need his grace on good days and bad days, that's the thing we'll keep, that will keep us from being performance-based. When we tend to his presence and we acknowledge that we need him in the good days and on the bad days. In the 90s, uh, late 90s, there was this movie um, many of you have probably seen. It's called The Matrix. Um, and uh, the main character, his name is Neo, and he's like the, uh, you know, the, the chosen one in, in, the, in the movie. And we, as watchers of this movie, we see that Neo's powers grow. But we, we end up at the end of this movie recognizing that his power never actually grew. The recognition that his power was a reality is what grew. And this is what, this is what grace is. We, we need to recognize the transforming power of God's grace. God's grace is already there. The power in it changes our lives on good days, on bad days. It's the thing that changes us. But we need to recognize that power, the power of the cross, the power in this Holy Week. This is why uh, Holy Week exists is because there's the power of God's grace. Paul says it like this. But he said to me, speaking of, Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so the power of Christ may rest upon me. Family, we need to recognize the power of God's grace. We need to recognize that we need his grace moment by moment. Obviously, we need his grace for the the, the moment that we, we put our faith in him, but we need his grace on a daily basis. It's the thing that transforms us. When we recognize our need for him, our, we need Jesus more than we need our morning coffee or tea. We need his grace more than that. I can't tell you how much like understanding his grace has changed my day to day. And it changes it because I acknowledge that I can't do all that needs to get done today without him. I can't be a good father without his grace. I can't be a good husband. I can't be a good church leader. I, I can't be a good plumber. Oh, you know, what, whatever. 
I was doing at that moment, I can't do it. I don't know how many times I was like, Lord, I need your help here. I hate doing drains, you know, sewer drains, right? Like we need his grace moment by moment. So the last point was this. We are saved by grace to live by grace. We are transformed by God's grace. Paul didn't say, my power was made perfect in what I do. He was boasting about his weakness because it highlighted the grace of God. I'll leave you with this. This uh, quote is kind of adapted, wordsmith, um, from Transforming Grace by Jerry Bridges. Uh, Shannon worked on this, so it would be more applicable for this morning. But God saved us by his grace. And by his grace, he transforms us more and more into the likeness of his son. By his grace, he sustains and strengthens us in all our trials and tribulations. By his grace, he gives each of us spiritual gifts necessary to fulfill our unique calling within the body of Christ. By his grace, he makes our service acceptable to him, and then he rewards and blesses us both here on earth and in the life to come by his grace. Friends, may we walk and live and move his grace this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Oh, we just thank you for your son, and we thank you for the plan of sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for changing our lives because of your grace. Thank you that while we were in rebellion and sin against you, when we're drowning in a dark ocean, you reach your hand out and you say, come with me, be with me. Father, we we ask that those of us who have trusted in you, who have put our faith in you, we ask that we would not forget about grace, that we would not do it, that that it would be a daily reminder on the good days, on the bad days, we need you. We need you in every circumstance, in every moment, we need your grace. And Lord, if there's uh, those of us here that haven't trusted in you, I ask, Lord, that your grace would compel them to be with you, to trust you for uh, your eternal salvation. Thank you that grace didn't just stop at the moment of salvation and that we had to work more and work more and work more. Thank you, God, that your grace transforms us. May we recognize your grace more and more this week. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We bless you.